Praise God. Amen. It's always good to be in the house of God. You may be seated for a moment. You know, I thought once I shaved, people would stop calling me Jesus. But it has not changed anything yet. But I do want to take a moment. I know we spent uh, quite a bit of time on Tuesday, recognized a lot of people, but I want to say thank you to a few people because taking on this role, I did not take it lightly. It was not a joke to me, and, and it was not something that I just thought was just another role, but it was something that I took very, very seriously. And I want to thank, first of all, my pastor and Brother Curtis Bradley and Chad Bradley for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to play Jesus in the Messiah and believing that I would take it seriously. And, and I want to thank everybody that has complimented me and that has prayed for me because I could not have done it without your prayers. I could not. And I believe that. And I felt your prayers. And I felt the anointing when we were up here uh, doing the Messiah. God was in the house. Amen. The real Jesus was in the house. All four of those performances, I believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. And I even said this on my Instagram, and I'll say it again. As much emphasis that we put on that role, it would not be possible without awesome priests that were against me. Brother Brock and his crew that hated me. It would not have been possible without guards willing to beat me up. It wouldn't have been possible without unbelievers and believers. Amen. It wouldn't have been possible. That was just one role. And, and I'm thankful that I got to play it. And I'm thankful for those that believed in me. But I'm also thankful for everybody that was a part of that. And God definitely showed up. And I believe we're going to see many people coming back to God because of the Messiah. Many people coming home in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So with that said, you can stand. I do want to, you know, when I teach college and career, I usually start off with a joke, a little something to break the ice, to get people to know that, yeah, I'm about ready to get serious, but at the same time, the... Goofy CJ is still in there somewhere. So this was my wife approved joke of the day. A child asked his father, how were people born? So his father said, Adam and Eve made babies. Then their babies became adults and made babies and so on. The child then went to his mother and asked her the same question. And she told him, we were monkeys. Then we evolved to become like we are now. The child ran back to his father, very upset, and said, you lied to me. And his father replied, no, your mom was talking about her side of the family. <laughs> Amen. We still believe in Adam and Eve. Amen. Praise God. We still believe in the Word of God. 
If you will turn with me, please, to Exodus chapter 17. And verse number, I'm going to start with verse number 8. I have prayed about this message for many, many years. And I have believed that I am in the will of God tonight. Exodus chapter 17, verse number 8, it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Praise God. With the help of God, I want to preach with the title of, Pastor, I Have Your Back. Pastor, I got your back. Can we all say that right now? Pastor, I got your back. Amen. Pastor, pray one more time for us right now. Savior, we thank you for your word. We thank you because we recognize that it brings encouragement and strength to us. It brings conviction to us. We know that condemnation only comes from the enemy, and your word brings to us that which saves. It brings conviction and strength to us. So we ask that your anointing would touch the man of God tonight, that we would open our hearts to receive of you. We ask all of these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for a man of God in my life. Amen. I'm thankful for a man of God. I'm thankful that, that it is not by accident that I have a pastor who is my pastor. That I have a man of God that still preaches the word of God to me. Amen. I'm excited about the fact that I have a person in my life that I can call pastor and I can call him the voice of God in my life and I can call him the man of God. And I'm not ashamed of my pastor. I love my pastor, amen. Anybody agree with me tonight? I love my pastor. I'm thankful for a man of God. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Hallelujah. It is not by chance that we have the pastor that we have. Amen. Many years ago, 75 years ago, there was a man and woman passed this way, blessed of God. Amen. There was an elder who came this way, anointed of God, used of God, who began a church, and God anointed that man. And that was Brother I.H. Terry and his wife. And 
Again, it was not accident that they came to Bakersfield. They were here with a purpose and with a reason. And God began to use this man of God. And after many years uh, of pastoring and building a church, he passed it on to another great man of God who I had the honor to sit under for many, many years, and that was Brother Frost. And he passed it on to Brother Frost, and Brother Frost is a great man of God who never wavered through everything that he went through, through every battle and every difficulty, he still stood for what was right. He still stood behind a pulpit and preached truth no matter what came against him. No matter what fought him, he still preached the word of God. And I'm thankful for that man of God. And it was not accident from there that he gave it to another man, that God rose up and gave us a pastor according to his heart because God knew what you and I needed. God knew the man of God that we needed in our life. He knew the man that needed to help rein this man in. Who needed, uh, he knew what I needed to, to control me and to, and to bless me and to keep me uh, doing the right things and following after God. God thought about you and I when he placed the pastor in our life. Amen. He was looking at you. He knew what you needed. He knew the man of God that you needed to preach the word to you. So he gave you a man of God, and it was good. I'm thankful for the man of God in my life. Hallelujah. I, I don't say that lightly, and I'm not saying that to score any type of points because I've done many to, to lose points, but I'm thankful that there's a man willing to preach to me and willing not to back down that still preaches truth and still preaches this one God apostolic message. Hallelujah. And he's not backing down, and he's not loosening up, and he's not changing the message, but he's preaching it no matter who believes it or who does it. Praise God. I'm thankful for a man of God like that. Because our world today does not want to submit to a pastor. We're living in a world where they, they don't have pastors anymore. Or everybody's a pastor. Everybody's a pastor. Oh, these are the pastor of the children. These are the pastors of the young people. These are the pastors of the pastors. These are the pastors of the pastors' pastors. These are pastors of the elders. These are pastors of uh, the pews. These are the pastors of the cleaning. And everybody's a pastor. They don't respect the role that a pastor has. But this church don't take that lightly. We understand that that is something important. That's something that God has given us. A man of God that preaches the word. But the world does not want that. The world does not want to submit to a man of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3 it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away from their, away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And this is the day that we are living in. So many people having itching ears, looking for a man that will preach something to them that makes them feel good. Looking for a man that will preach something that will soothe their conscience. 
They're looking for somebody that will bring out a stool and sit in front of you and give you a nice little message to make you feel good about yourself. That make you feel good and, and make you just like, oh, wow, I feel great now. And you can walk out the same person that you came in. That's what the world's looking for today. The devil doesn't want this message. <laughs> Amen. The devil doesn't want me to preach this, and I believe that. Because the, the devil doesn't want a pastor over the church. The devil doesn't want a pastor still preaching truth. The devil doesn't want a pastor still preaching separation and holiness. Amen. He's trying to tear down the man of God. He's trying to destroy the man of God in our lives. Uh, hallelujah. But I want to say, Pastor, I got your back. Because I'm thankful for a man of God. I'm thankful that he still preaches the truth. That he still preaches separation. That he still preaches holiness. He still preaches the things that we need to hear. Pastor, never stop preaching. Hallelujah. Never stop preaching to me. Never stop talking to me. Because I need a man of God in my life. Always I need a man of God in my life. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 4 and 2 says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. See, they're looking for somebody that's going to just preach something's nice and, and, and make you feel good about yourself. But that's not what he said in 2 Timothy. He said there's going to be some reproof. There's going to be some rebuke. And sometimes we need that in the preached word of God. It can't all be flowers and roses and daisies and, and tipping through the tulips. But sometimes there has to be a man of God that steps to the pulpit and says, you're not doing right, you got to get right. And I knew Thursday night that what I was preaching was right on. That I was in the will of God when you started talking about repentance. And you read that article on repentance. I knew that what, what I'm preaching today is what needs to be heard. 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 <laughs> That's the oil dell coming out in me, praise God. It happens. <laughs> it does need to be heard. Bless God. But it needs to be heard. Hallelujah. Because the rest of this world wants to do away with repentance. They want to talk about, oh, that's not important anymore. I was bumping around on online the other day, ran into uh, a little video of an a old friend of mine. We go way back, and he's a pastor, pastor somewhere. And I was like, oh, I'll watch his little video. And his video was, was so sweet and cute. And he got up there and said, oh, you know, I used to always think that, you know, I, I had to pray more and read my Bible more. God was going to get on to me. And God was going to uh, rebuke me. And, and God just wants me to pray more. But it's not all about that. It's not all about what you do for the kingdom of God. Wait a second. Uh, no, I think it's okay that we pray more. I think it's okay that we we feel a little conviction when we're not reading our Bible the way that we're reading our Bible. When we're not doing what we're needing to do. When we're not finding repentance. Praise God. I'm thankful for a pastor that preaches repentance. 
We need to repent. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm not trying to tear down anybody's ministry. But I'm telling you, in this world that we live in, with the evil that is out there, we need a man of God that's going to stand and fight and is going to stand for what is right and what is holy. Praise God. A pastor is important and not to be taken lightly. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about the shepherd and the flock knowing his voice. And I thank God that I know the voice of my shepherd. Hallelujah. He is the voice of God in my life. When I want to know what God is telling me and where God is taking me, I go to the man of God because that's the voice of God in my life. He is not a hireling. He is not somebody that is just here to get paid and just to go through the motions. But we have a man of God who, who is standing for righteousness and holiness. Praise God. He cares about the people that God has put in his life. So when you go to your pastor and you talk to your pastor, he's not quick to give you just run-of-the-mill advice and get you out of his hair, but he's trying to help you. He's trying to, to lead you and guide you because that's why God gave us a pastor. Praise God. And that voice is important. That voice is so important in my life. I'm thankful for the voice of the man of God. I've had two pastors in my life. Brother Frost and Brother Bradford. And I don't thank God that I can say that. And I haven't gone church hopping looking for the man of God that appeases me. But I'm thankful for what God put in my life. I'm thankful that God put men of God in my life. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 7 it says, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge. And they should seek the law of his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord. Hallelujah. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. He is the voice of God in our life. And trust me, when I say to you that I know that voice, and I know that voice when I'm doing good, and I knew that voice when I'm not doing so good. I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I'm not standing up here preaching this because I, I just came into church and, and everything was perfect and I've never got sideways with my pastor and, and, and everything has gone perfect for me and, and pastor. But trust me, there's been some times when I've been gotten on to. I've probably said this before, and I know I've always told Jeremy and Nate that pastors always love me more because he's rebuked me more. And I've been rebuked, and I've been gotten onto, even by Brother Frost. I don't know how many know this, but Brother Frost yells. I don't know how many have been on the other side of that, but I have. And not just when he's in the pulpit. I've, I've made that man raise his voice. I didn't think it was possible, but it has happened. And I don't brag when I say that, but there's been a couple of times 
where I have pushed him to that point where he's had to yell at me and tell me enough. My very first experience with Brother Frost, I came into church on a Monday. I felt a move of God, and I said, this is where God wanted me to be. That same day, I had just got a haircut. It was a beautiful haircut. It was what we, <laughs> this was in 1995. So I got this haircut. It was what they call a surfer do. So they shave it underneath. Shave it all the way up to about here. And then... Uh, you leave it long, though. So my hair would come down to about to here, to my nose. And, and yeah, it looked amazing. And so I came to church on Monday with this haircut. I came back on Tuesday. They were in revival with D.C. Moody. I missed Wednesday. I came back on Thursday. I, I met some people, asked for a ride to church, started coming. So this was only my third service in church, third service. And the service was over, the, you know, people were still in the altars. And Brother Frost calls me up to the front. And he puts his arm around me, he hugs me, and he said, Son, are, are you going to start coming to church here? And I said, I said, yes. I said, you remember me? Because he baptized me when I was 10 years old. And I said, yes, you remember? He said, yes, I remember you. I baptized you. I said, oh, wow, that's awesome. Cool. He's like, so are you going to start coming here? I said, yes, sir. I'm going to start coming here. This is where God wants me. He's like, great. So do you love me? I said, yes, I love you. He's like, do you love this church? I said, yes, sir, I love this church. He's like, do you love that haircut? I said, no. No, I don't. <laughs> he said, uh, how much do you like that haircut? It's like a little... <laughs> <laughs> he said, what do you think that haircut represents? Now I was a 16-year-old. I was a dumb kid. And I didn't know. I didn't know why he was even asking me these questions. But he was asking me. He said, what do you think that haircut represents? I'm like, I don't know. Gangs? Uh, I mean, do gangs wear their hair like that? That's weird. But I don't know. That was the best I could go with. And so he was like, is that what you want to represent? I was like, no, sir, that's not what I represent. He said, all right, get it fixed. I'm telling you, a lot of people would have never went back to the church. A lot of people would have never stepped foot in those doors again. Who are you to tell me how to cut my hair? Who are you to get on to me and tell me what to do with my hair? No, I'm thankful for a pastor willing to get in my face and tell me when I'm doing right and when I'm doing wrong. Preach to me, pastor. Hallelujah. Preach to me. I'm not afraid to take rebuke. I'm not afraid to take correction. Whatever you have to do, as long as I'm to be saved. Hallelujah. I want to be saved. I want my children saved. Hallelujah. Say what you have to. Get on to me. Get on to my children. Do whatever you have to do as long as my kids are saved. Praise God. Praise God. And this, this isn't too popular here. We'll back the pastor when everything's going good. But will we back the pastor when he gets on to our children? Will we back the pastor when he gets on to us? Will we back up the man of God when he rebukes us a little bit? 
That's when we have to back him up the most. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's not when you go home and you tear up the man of God to your family. You go home and bash the man of God to your children. I'm sorry, we don't do that in my home. Hallelujah. My girls have never once heard me bash the man of God in my house. Because we don't do that in my house. Because the man of God is sacred. He's something that God put in my life for a reason. Hallelujah. We're not going to tear up the man of God and have him for dinner. But we're going to uplift him. And we're going to back him and say, no, we're going to live right. Hallelujah. Praise God. We don't talk about the man of God in my home. Not bad. We pray for the man of God. We pray for the man of God. Every night before bed, we pray for our pastor and we pray for our bishop. You can ask Pierce. Pierce will never miss a night without praying for his pastor. Amen. If once in a while I forgot, he'll let me know. He'll tell me, hey, we didn't pray for Pastor Bishop. I'm sorry, son. Forgive me. <laughs> but he will. And I'm thankful for that because that means I'm putting something in my kids. I'm putting something in my children that the man of God isn't somebody up there for us to bash and to beat up. But he's there because God placed him there. He's there to help guide us and direct us. Praise God. Praise God. It is your response to the man of God. That is what matters. There's going to be times when maybe pastor says things that I may not necessarily agree with. He may do things that I may not necessarily uh, agree with. But you know what? He's the voice of God in my life. And it's at those times when I have to stand by the man of God. It's at those times when we have to listen and obey the voice of God. Because even when he may not necessarily be right because we have to understand that he's still human. Amen? He's still human. He's still flesh. He still makes mistakes. And we have to understand that. But I'll tell you this, as long as you listen to the man of God in your life, you will never be wrong. You will never be wrong. It doesn't matter as long as you stand by the man of God. I remember not too long ago, something had happened. And, and I called Brother Bradford for an answer. And I asked him, and I had a right spirit. I did not come at him ugly, but I came at him with a, needing an answer. And I asked him the question, and he gave me an answer that I did not like. I didn't. I didn't like the answer. I didn't think that the answer was what I was looking for. But it was still an answer. It was not the answer that I wanted to hear, but it was still an answer. So you know what I did? I said, okay, that's the answer. I didn't go somewhere and, and bash him and tear him apart, but I said, that's the answer. That's the answer. That's what it is. That's what I'm going to, to do. That's what we're going to abide by. And the church in this day needs to stand by their pastor like never before. Stand up for your pastor. Stand up for the man of God that God placed in your life. Hallelujah.
I used to teach discipleship class. And in there, there was a, a, a lesson on the voice of God in your life. And we would begin talking about the man of God. And I used to say in there, and I'll say it again, if you ever want to see your children backslide, if you ever want to see them not live for God, talk about the man of God in front of them. Because they will lose all respect for the man of God. If you begin to tear him apart and bash him to your children, your children will not respect him. Because, well, mom and dad don't respect him. Mom and dad tear up the man of God. See, it's getting a little quiet now. Praise God. But that's all right. Because that means I am in the will of God today. That we need to hear this. That we are not going to destroy our pastor. But we are going to be people of God that lift up the man of God. And stand beside the man of God. And say, Pastor, I got your back. Praise God. We don't talk enough about the importance of a man of God in our life. We don't. We don't talk about it enough. It's not preached enough. And that's why I felt in my heart to preach this tonight. Because we don't understand how important it is to have a man of God. Listening to the man of God in your life is just as important as being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that. It's just as important listening to who God appointed over you. It's just as important. Hallelujah. Especially in this world that we live today. Because in the end, the man of God ultimately is just looking out for you and I. He's just looking out for us because the man of God that God has placed in our lives wants to see us saved. Amen. Praise God. Again, Brother, Brother Bradford, I don't think I ever got you to the point where you've ever yelled at me, but I know I've pushed some buttons. I know there's been times when I've frustrated you, and there's been times when you have gotten on to me but I still don't think you ever yelled, maybe. Yeah, there might have been sometimes. But pastor has done something to me that a lot of people probably couldn't take. My pastor loves to embarrass me. And I don't know necessarily if he does it on purpose. He may not even realize it half the time. And maybe he does it because he just thinks that I can take it. And there's even been some recent... But I want to go back. I want to throw this back just for a minute. I was 18 years old. It was my first year of Bible quizzing. I was not a good Bible quizzer. I was struggling. And I remember Brother Bradford brought me up here. We had just finished a quiz tournament. And we had done amazing. Every single team that we took except for mine. Every team got a trophy, except for my team. Almost everybody got a trophy on that tournament, except for my team. We did not do very well. And so, as usual, I was cutting up. I grabbed all the trophies, and I was holding them. And I went into this long speech about, they love me. They really love me. And the uh, pastor thought it was hilarious. He was like, oh, man, you got to do that in the church. You got to do that in the church. So we come to church, and... 
And he brings me up here, and I just thought that I was just going to do something goofy. But he hands me all these trophies. And then he begins to talk in front of the entire church and says, CJ is who we like to call our trophy bearer. Because he's not very good at Bible quizzing. In fact, he'll probably never be good at Bible quizzing. But we like to keep him around because he's a, he's a bunch of laughs. He's fun. And I'm standing there holding all these trophies like, wow, I don't know if that was supposed to happen. And again, many people probably would have got offended at that. A lot of people would have said that was embarrassing. One, I'm never going to Bible quiz again because you just told everybody I'm never going to be any good. <laughs> so I'm never going to Bible quiz again. And I may never show my face in the church again. But I'm thankful for a man of God that what he did was he lit a fire under me. It was the very next year I became an okay Bible quizzer. Okay to the point that I ended up being the quizzer of the year that year. Why? Because I wanted to prove my pastor wrong. Hallelujah. I want to prove him wrong. Amen. But I never got cross sideways with him. There's been times when he's asked me to do things that I didn't want to do, like get in front of the church and apologize. But I did it anyways because I love the man of God, and I know he's praying for my soul. <laughs> Praise God. Which brings us to the story that I read to you, the story of Moses. Now, Brother Bradford, I'm going to ask you to come help me tonight. I've helped you many, many times. I've helped you many, many times. I've, you, I've wrestled with you, and you told me to let you win. <laughs> I've played tug-of-war with you, so, so you're going to help me tonight. But I believe I got your back, okay? I got your back. I'm not embarrassing you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm helping you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. But in this story here, we find Moses. He was the man of God given to the children of Israel that, at that time. He was the man of God appointed over these people. Now, Aaron was the voice, but Moses was the man of God. And he was there guiding and directing these children. And so here it was in a moment when the children of Israel were at war. They were down and they were fighting and they were battling. And as many of us are often fighting. And we are fighting on a daily basis. And we are out there struggling and fighting this evil world, trying our best to be saved. Facing temptation after temptation. Lust and pride of life and all these other things that come our way. Amen. But we're out there fighting. Amen. Is it besides me? Anybody else fighting besides me? Praise God. I know I fight on a daily basis. And while we're out there fighting, it's easy to think and to look at the man of God and to say, while we're out here fighting, the man of God's just over here sipping sweet tea. And hanging out and everything's perfect and everything's going just right and everything is just perfect for him. But we don't see the battles that he's facing. 
and we don't see the things that he's struggling with. And we don't see the, the, the prayers that he's giving up towards us because we think that he's just over here going about his life. But really what he's doing, lift your hands, please, is he's got his hands up just like Moses did. He's got his hands up. And while you're out there on the battlefield fighting, he's over here with his arms raised fighting for you. He's got his arms raised uh, saying, no, uh, don't let him give up. Uh, don't let him give in. Uh, I know somebody's out there tonight that wants to throw in the towel, but don't do it. Uh, he's fighting for you. Uh, he's fighting that you will be saved, uh, that you will live for God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for a pastor who's fighting for me. So not only is he over here fighting his own battles and his own struggles, but he's fighting for you and I. You think you get tired? You think you get tired of fighting? What about a man who's fighting for over 400 people? You don't think those arms are getting tired? They're getting tired. They get tired at times. And Moses, when he was up there and he had his hands raised, he realized that every time he brought his hands down and he began to get weak, that the people would start to lose the fight. Every time those hands would begin to fall, his people would begin to, to die. And they would lose, start losing the battle. So he had raised his hands back up. That is a lot of pressure, folks. That is a lot of pressure on a man of God. Knowing that every time he put his hands down, the people were going to lose the battle. But every time he had his hands up and he began to pray for the people and he began to seek God for the people, they would begin to prevail. Every time his hands up, they were strong. Hands down, somebody backslides. Somebody fails. Somebody begins to spread rumors in the church. Hands up. Somebody just prayed through. Hallelujah. A backslider just came home. Hands down. Somebody walked away from God. Somebody threw in the towel. Hands up. Somebody, we just baptized somebody's kids. Hallelujah. But this is what Moses was going through that day. He was facing this. Hands up. The battle was going strong. The people were fighting strong. But every time he dropped his hands, they would begin to lose. Hands up. So he'd get his hands up. But he was losing strength. They fought a long time. And so luckily on that mountain, there were two men there. Brother Jeremy, Brother Laren, come here, help me out. One man by the name of Aaron, who was the mouthpiece of God. He was the voice of God. I believe he represents the ministry. Brother Jeremy, stand on, on, the, on the side of the pastor. Hold his arm up. You're going to be Aaron today. There was an Aaron there. There was an Aaron there, a man who represented the ministry of God, who represented uh, the, the people that the pastor appoints and that the, 
that stand behind the men of God. Like never before, our ministry has to stand behind our pastor. Our ministry needs to have our pastor's back. Our ministry needs to say whatever pastor says, we're going to stand by it. We're going to believe in it. If there's anybody who shouldn't be talking about the pastor, it's the ministry. Hallelujah. And then on the other hand, there was her. Now, you don't read much about her because he was just a companion of Moses. He was just a friend. He was just a saint of God. But he was on the other side of the of Moses. He was on the other side of the man of God, lifting up his other hand, understanding and recognizing that if it's not for us, there's going to be times when he can't pray for the church. There's going to be times when he can't do everything that he needs to do. But he needs people that are going to get behind the man of God and lift up the hands of God and stand by the man of God no matter what. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe we have a church that knows how to lift up the hands of God. Praise God. We're not going to let those hands go. You can't do it on your own, Pastor. It's too many people. But the ministry and the saints of God, we got your back. Hallelujah. Is there a church that has their pastor's back? Oh, my God, my God. I feel God in this place. You want to see what happens when you have the man of God's back? That's how revival happens. You want to see revival? Hold up the man of God's arms. You want to see backsliders come home? Hold up the man of God's arms. Hallelujah. You want to see your babies come back? Hold up the man of God. Oh, God. Oh, in the name of Jesus, uh, praise God. Oh, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. I feel something in this place. I feel something in this place right now. These altars are getting ready to be open. Uh, there needs to be somebody that says, Pastor, uh, I got your back. Pastor, I'm praying for you because I know you're praying for me. You don't know the tears that Pastor shed for you. You may not have seen them, but he shed them for you. He shed them for your babies. He shed them for your parents. He's shedding tears and praying so that you will be saved. Oh, y'all know. There's ever a time when we need these altars filled. It's right now. A church of God that's saying, Pastor, we've got your back. Oh, God. 
I want to I want to read just a few more verses of scriptures you can put his hands down. So I'll read 1 Peter chapter 5 starting at verse 2. It says feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I'm thankful that we have a man of God that lives this. We have a man of God that lives these verses. If there's ever a time that we need to have the man of God's back, it's today. I'm thankful for a pastor. I'm thankful for a pastor that has prayed for me. And that when I was praying for my parents, he prayed for my parents when they were lost. Every tear that I've shed, he probably shed just twice as many. Because he loved me. I'm not putting emphasis on just a man, but I'm putting emphasis on my pastor. Because I know without a man of God in my life, without a man of God to submit to, amen. Praise God. I think we need to pray right now. All over this building, we need to raise our arms. If you're going to lift up the pastor's arms, and we're going to have true revival like never before. Praise God all over this place. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, God, we want revival. Uh, God, we want our backsliders to come home, Jesus. God, have your way in the name above every name. Uh, Lord, have your way, Savior. Uh, God, we need you. Uh, we need you. Uh, we need you. you lift your hands and lift your voice together what he's talking about is authority and he's talking about unity when we unify together when there's unity in the house of God there is revival 
praise God when the pulpit is anointed and the pew is anointed there's opportunity for babies to be born as a moving of the Holy Ghost a moving of his spirit praise God a moving of his mercy a moving of his faithfulness hallelujah hallelujah we become who we were destined to be and that is a church that's on fire with the Holy Ghost in operation hallelujah the lifted hands I thank you Jesus for the ministry in my life hallelujah and I thank you for brothers and sisters united together with me Lord hallelujah that we stand in unity to believe that in a world that brings so much against us there's a standard that will be raised against that of your anointing and your ability and we will say the enemy will not come in to destroy and to steal and to rob and to steal but this house will be a house of prayer this house will be a house of deliverance this house will be a house of redemption where you can put pieces back together again where you can elevate and you can encourage and you can strengthen oh I feel that ministering spirit in this place tonight come on somebody lift up your hands and lift up your voice hallelujah let the Holy Ghost reach out and respond to you tonight I thank you Jesus and praise you I worship you and feel your anointing and your power and your ability